I got really good at wearing a mask. And if you wear that mask for a long enough time, you lose your own identity somewhere along the way. I remember getting up and saying, just get me to the point where I can lay back down and go to sleep. I had always had some glimmer of hope, but there was a point where that was gone. There is hope, and even when you don't feel like there is a way, God has a way to the other side. So I grew up in, in a ministry family, and I think that had a huge impact on me wanting to go into ministry myself. We met at college. We only dated for like eight months before we got engaged, so. We started our full-time ministry position together straight out of college. Around that time is when my son was born, and uh, it was just a really wonderful time for us as a family. So several years after me and Whitney had gone into ministry together, I wound up having to have back surgery because of an injury. He went on all these pills for the pain, and that's kind of when things changed. As soon as I started using those medications, I was addicted. And then coming off of the medications, I remember I went into a severe depression. I started feeling high levels of anxiety and they prescribed me antidepressants. And so I became addicted to prescription medication. And as I was leading worship, as I was speaking, it was destroying me inside because I'm having to put a smile on my face and say that I am okay, except I was struggling with all these things. And if you wear that mask for a long enough time, you lose your own identity somewhere along the way. And I think that happened. So it was at one point, he broke down after worship at work, and so I can't do this anymore. And that was just the beginning. It only got worse from there. At this point, I believed myself to be an atheist. So all of a sudden, life loses hope. It loses meaning. I didn't care anymore. I didn't even care if I died. I had always had some glimmer of hope, but there was a point where that was gone. And I said, this is going to be my life forever. He's never going to get off the couch. He's never going to get out of the bed. I was just sitting in the basement. And when Whitney was at work, I was doing drugs. When night came, I was doing drugs. I didn't even sleep. I just sat through the night. I just wanted to be alone. And when my son would come home from school and want to play with me, I was somewhere else. I wasn't really there. I finally told Whitney everything because I realized I'm not, I'm not getting out of this. And it's one of those moments where it's like, you're shocked, but you're not shocked at all. She stood up at that moment and said, okay, let's move on from this, instead of saying, I'm gonna run away from this. There was light in it now, it was in the open. I had a moment where I was sitting on the couch by myself at home, and I felt God speak to me. This voice say, go and kneel down. It was almost like something clicked in my mind and said, this moment is an opportunity. And I kneeled down and what I said to God was, here I am. You know what I've become. You know that I'm a shell of the man that I used to be. 
I am addicted, I can't stop. But if you can come into my life and help me, then please come and help me. I knew there was nothing I could have done in my own power or my own strength to free myself from that hellish darkness that I had wound up in. That was a miracle, and that helped restore my faith beyond anything else. I thought it was the end, that there was no coming back. But that wasn't the case. He has so much more in our story. I'm so thankful that what I was becoming isn't who I became. He restored me. Because of Jesus, I am free. As I watched that video, I just kept thinking to myself, who's next? Who's next? Who needs to be set free in our church? Who's next? Who's next that is living with pain, that is living with a, a false front, that's living behind something? If you caught it, he didn't do anything wrong. That could be any one of us. It was an accident, and then he needs surgery, and then there's an addiction, and that addiction spirals out of control, and he loses his faith. That could be any one of us. It might be somebody sitting here right now in church. It could be the person next to you. It could be the person that you brought to church. It could be you. And I just want to say, who's next? Who's next? Jesus did a beautiful thing in their lives. He can do a beautiful thing in your life. And I thank God that he's still changing lives today. I'm telling you, we can let it down. We can say we don't have to live in the phoniness. We don't have to live behind the mask. And, and he said, if you live behind the mask long enough, you'll lose who you are. Don't lose who you are. God created you for a purpose. God has a plan for you. And whether it, you've come in and you've drifted away with a problem or you come in with a problem, let it go. Let the mask down. Who's next? I believe this service is going to be a time where God's going to help people get set free. God's going to help people break down the mask. And I thank God that they would share their testimony. And I thank God that they were willing to say, hey, we'll be vulnerable. We'll put it out there. Who will follow their lead? Who will follow their lead and say, God, I want to be real. I want to let the light in. I love what she said. Like, I, I was surprised, but not surprised. And then the light came in and all of a sudden God set them free. I thank God for that. And I thank God for the line that he said in there. Like, I thank God that what I was becoming is not who I've become, that I can be set free. And I want to say who's next, who's next, who's next. And as a form of encouragement to whoever might be next, and as a form of saying thank you to them for sharing that testimony. Come on, let's lift up our praise and give God praise right now. Somebody's next. Somebody's going to be next. Yes. God never wastes a hurt. You may go through something and he wants you to share it. He wants you to get through to the other side. And I'm telling you right now, if you're here and you're running, I don't know if I can be vulnerable. I don't know if I can be honest. I don't know if, I, I, yes, you can. You can be honest and open and vulnerable. And that was an amazing sermon in that video. And I'm gonna tell you this, we're gonna put that link up on our church Facebook. We're gonna tweet it out. We're gonna Instagram it. That thing needs to go viral. That is a message that the world needs to hear. When I watched it the first time, I said, that's the, that's the world we're living in. That could be me. That could be my neighbor. That could be my family member. And I thought, if ever there was something that could minister to our friends, our family, our coworkers, that message of being set free, of letting the mask down, man, that is an amazing, amazing message. So, man, I commission you, make that thing go viral. That is a great, great story. 
Jesus is the bridge to authenticity. That's what we're going to look at today. Jesus is the bridge to authenticity. The world is looking for authenticity. And as you know, we've been in this series, Jesus is the bridge. It's a four-part series. We've got another video next week that I don't want you to miss. But let me back up real quick. Jesus is the bridge to the presence of God. We did that on Easter Sunday and on that weekend. And I want to let you know that, again, 678 people said Jesus is the bridge into the presence of God. And we thank God for that. And then last week, we talked about a value of our church. Jesus is the bridge to unity. He's the bridge to unity and we can have that unity and that unity will launch Jesus up. And I want to let you know that in there, I used uh, North Heights Lutheran as an example. You know, they were in the newspaper and North Heights Lutheran closing, former megachurch, calling it quits. And, you know, it's, it's over. And we prayed for them and said, you know, we don't believe it's over. And I didn't realize this, but they were actually having a reconciliation meeting on Sunday, trying to figure out if they could pull it back together. And I just felt God lay it upon our heart to pray for them. And of course, we prayed that uh, they would rise up. I felt it was a prophetic word that it was uh, like a forest fire and green was going to grow out of there. And I'm telling you, it wasn't just our prayers, but we joined in on the prayers of many, many, many people that were saying, God, don't let this church die. Don't let this go by the wayside. And it was a joy to see on Monday the headline that says, North Metro Church revived just weeks after closing. And I think that's pretty amazing. That deserves a hand clap of God. I believe their best days can be ahead of them and they can get through this reconciliation. It's not over. There's a lot of hard work. How many know that reconciliation is a lot of hard work, but Jesus will help them to get through it and bring, only Jesus can bring them back together. And we thank God for the positive thing that is having there, happening there. And we just want to, we wanted to pass it on. I'll tell you what, my phone was buzzing all day. They're like, did you see this? It was going crazy. Thank you. I appreciate that. All of you 500 that sent that. Thank you. That was good. It was like a praise fest all day, but oh man, especially when you pray for it. And there's so much more behind the scenes. I can't even tell you. God was in that, he was in that, he was in that. Now today we're gonna to look at the, Jesus is the bridge to authenticity. And um, in a world that's so fake, in a world that says, I've gotta pretend. I've gotta pretend, I've gotta be fake. We have, how many know we have fake everything? You could have fake nails, fake hair, fake other parts. You can have fake Rolex and call it a Relex. You know, how many know, you know, we have artificial sweeteners. We watch reality TV that's really fake. How many of the reality TV is fake, you know? I've always wondered how fake it is until a friend of mine was on a reality TV show. And I'm watching this and I'm watching the way they're setting this guy up. And I know this guy really well for years and years and years. So I called him. I said, that show was so bogus. That reality show, that is not you. That is like the anti-you. What they put on TV is the anti-you. And he goes, I know they needed a storyline. So they made it up and kind of put it in there and it made a good story. I'm like, but it's not you. That's not reality TV. That's fake TV. So we have reality TV that's really fake TV and we got fake everything else. And the world's saying, come on, let's be real. And it's time for the church to take the lead. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's drop the fake. Let's drop the phony. Let's drop the mask and be real and be the people that God has called us to be. And I believe this is a beautiful thing. Jesus gives us the ability to live an authentic life. Jesus will give us the ability to drop our masks. And I also believe this. Right now, uh, people that are willing to be authentic and real, a church that is willing to be authentic and real is going to see uh, dynamic things happen. 
Because I believe this generation, millennials and those coming up now, um, they want authenticity. I mean, I know that they have like a, a struggle. They want it, but then they don't always live it. How many know like they want farm to table food and they want politicians to tell the truth. And then they take 40 pictures to get all the right angles and the duck face and they get it all right. And then they get 40 pictures, then they edit it and then they put the filter on Valencia. And then they say, here's me just chilling, you know. Uh, <laughs> Like, that's just me. That's real me there. Yeah. And they're photoshopping. The blinds are all crooked in the back. And you're like, you lost a lot of weight. Anyways, you know, <laughs> it's a struggle. It's kind of a tension that they're learning to manage. But ultimately, they're saying, hey, we want real. We want real. So it's a great time for the church to be real. So this is, this is a charge and a challenge to our church to be real. This is a charge and our challenge uh, to the church to say, follow Sam and Whitney's lead. Let, let's be real. Let's, let's let the mass out. Let's call out for help. Let's let a little light into this, this situation. I love what 1 John 1, 7, and it talks about this light. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We need to walk in the light. We need to get into the light. And if we do this, we're going to have a, a good relationship with one another. And I believe this is time for the church to drop the mask and be real. And I want to be clear, um, again, with this generation, there's a difference between keeping it real and being real. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, keeping it real, for those of you that may not know this, it's like, well, I'm just keeping it real. This is who I am. I'm just keeping it real. I'm going to swear in front of you. I'm keeping it real. I got anger issues. I'm keeping it real. I'm addicted. I'm keeping it real. I mean, okay, there's a difference between keeping it real and being real. Okay, Jesus does not call you to be keeping it real. Okay, all right, he's not calling you to be keeping it real. He loves you where you're at, and he wants you to change and to be formed into his image. Okay, so again, we're not trying to keep it real. We're trying to be real, and, and I'll never forget... Um, Again, Jesus wants you to change and be more like him. Whatever your problem is, he wants you to, to become more like your heavenly father. Matter of fact, Matthew 5, 48 says this, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, a high standard. He's not saying keeping it real, stay in your sin. I mean, 2 Corinthians talks about the old has passed away, the new has come, and God wants you to make progress, okay? So again, I'm not saying keeping it real, it's be real, and um, I can't help but share this example um, of keeping it real. Um, I was, years ago, I was uh, buying some tennis shoes, and I was at the Mall of America, and I was at a tennis shoe store, and there's these great shoes for $39.99 on clearance. And I went up to the register, and I said, hey, I got my size in these, and I'm ready to buy them. And he said, no, no, those are $99.99. And I was like, no, no, they say $39.99. You know, it's right here, this shoe. I got the, I got the one off the shelf. I brought it to him, see, $39.99. He said, no, those are $99.99. Like, it's, I know you can't really see it, but it's a subtle, subtle stitching difference there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, these are $99.99. I was like, that is bait and switch. I can't believe leave this store. And I took the box and I threw it down to the counter. I ain't buying your stupid shoes. No, I'm pastor of your church right now, by the way. <laughs> I threw them down and there was this group of teenagers on the, that were standing by the exit. And they were like, that's right, keeping it real. And they were high-fiving me on the way out. And I'm like, that's right, keeping it real. Take that, you know. <laughs> Next day in prayer, God's like, hey, we're going to deal with that, keeping it real. 
I love you too much to leave you there, and you need to change. I want you to be real, not keep it real. And uh, you're going back to that store, and you're going to apologize to the manager, and you're going to buy the 99.99 shoes. I was like, yes, Lord. How many of that's the right answer? Yes, Lord. And I went back, and I walked into the store, and the manager was like, ah. I said, hey, 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 all truths, truths. I'm here. I'm sorry. I was out of order. I'm a Christian. I went to pray, and God convicted me, and I should have not acted like that. I disrespected you, dishonored you. That was wrong of me, and I'm here to buy those 99.99 shoes, and I will wear them with joy. All right, and he was like, and, and I wish he would have been like, that's amazing, but he was like, okay. Even when I walked out, he was like, bye. Like, like, I don't know. Crazy guy's gone. All right. God doesn't want you to keep it real. He wants you to be real. All right? And so if you struggle with things, God wants you to move on. He wants you to make progress. He wants you to be formed into his image. But in the process there, as we're being formed in his image, he does want you to be real. And he wants you to drop the mask and to say, here's who I really am. This is who I am. This is who I am. And, and, and I want to grow in Christ. And I want to be formed into his image. I want to be perfect like my heavenly father is. I want to keep doing these things. I want the grace of God to work in me. And I think a big reason many of us don't drop the masks in church and we're not real is deep down inside, we're afraid we'll be rejected. And I want to let you know to this church, I want to speak this over our church, I don't want to be that kind of church. I don't want to be the kind of church that will reject people when they're honest and open about their struggles. We want to cheer their growth and we don't ever want to see anyone walk away, but we will always cheer your comeback every single time. And I want us to be like welcoming and saying, you know what, if you slip, if you fall, if you mess up, come on back. And I, and I just got to say, I know that people are afraid. They're, they're wondering, what if I slip? What if I fall? Matter of fact, DC Talk had that song years ago and it said, you know, what if I stumble? What if I fall? What if I lose my step and make fools of us all? Will the love continue when my walk becomes a crawl? And they're saying, you know, I'm not perfect. What happens? Will the church welcome me in? And I want to say that the church needs to be like that. We need to encourage each other. Grace got us in. Grace keeps us moving. Grace will get us home. And we've got to keep encouraging. Again, it's not a permission to slip away, but when people stumble, we want them to be real and to be able to get the help and the strength that they need. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, I referenced part of it already. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We're gonna be confessing. We're saying, God, I'm not making it. I, I don't wanna be fake. I don't wanna be phony. I wanna make it through this. And I want us to have a church where we can confess our sins where we'd say, confess your faults one another and pray for one another that you will be healed. I want us to be that type of church. I want us to be willing to be forgiving. And I will tell you this, I I wish our church would be more like AA and less like a judgmental church. And I'm not saying we're a judgmental church, but I would love for our church to be more like AA and less judgmental always. And for those of you that don't know, I, I helped start a recovery program at our church And um, I've never been drunk. I've never been high. None of that. But God calls me to start a recovery group. And I wanted to see how they worked. So I went to an AA meeting. I, you know, I went and found this AA meeting. 
and uh, went in, and they're all like, hey, my name is John, you know, I'm an alcoholic, my name is Sue, I'm an alcoholic. I didn't know what to say, so I just said, hey, my name is Rob, I'm glad to be here. And they are like, oh, denial. All right, so, all right. But they were glad I was there. And, um, and then I was watching, and I watched this. This is one thing that stood out to me. One guy um, admitted that he, he fell off the wagon. He's like, I've been sober three days, I blew it. And they just were like leaning in like, man, glad you're back, glad you're back. And they were cheering him on. And then they're like, you know, then they're sharing testimonies, how they made it. And one guy afterwards, like giving it, hey man, here's my number. You can call me anytime. We want you to make it, keep working. It works. There's a better plan for your life. And I thought it was interesting. They never were like, dude, like, do you know what that makes us look like if you keep falling like that? You know, we've got an image to uphold. Like, come on, don't, they never did that. They never did that. It wasn't about, it was about, we could be real here. And they never were like, good, well, you know, no big deal. They were like, hey, that's not the way you were meant to live, but man, there's better for you. Praise God for three days. There's a better future for you. Come on, thanks for being real here. Let's move forward. And I, I, I wish that our church would be that type of church, a safe place, a church that would live that way and never be a church that wants people to put up masks. I wanna share just briefly from two different passages of scripture. Um, it's so hard when you're trying to prepare a sermon and you want to preach two and you can preach one. So I'm going to preach a little bit from both. Um, I'm not going anywhere near Matthew 23 as I prayed about masks and hypocrisy and letting masks down. I really didn't feel that our church struggles as a Matthew 23, like woe to you scribes and Pharisees and you hypocrites. Uh, Jesus really unleashes on people that are phony. And you can see over and over again, he's, he, he has no place for phony people. He's like, I want you to love God. I want you to be real. Stop playing the game. But I didn't feel that that was where our church was at. I really felt like our church was part Psalm 51 and part Luke 18. So we're going to look at both of them. And in Psalm 51, David has committed adultery. And he's been called out on adultery. And um, the, a prophet calls him out and he repents for it. And it's a beautiful psalm. And if you have time, you should read this. Psalm 51, and he's talking about how, God, I want you to cleanse me and I'm, I repent. And he, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And as I'm looking at this and realizing that this is what God wants, God wants us to realize that we are a mess. And in Psalm 51, David's just like, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And God, I need your mercy and grace. And here's the beautiful thing. God knows that you're a mess and he gives mercy and grace to all of us that are messes and just have messed up in life. He knows that, all right? And I wanna say this, no matter how messy you are, you still can get grace, you still can get mercy. It's not like, but does God know what I've done? Yes, he does. And he's willing to give you grace and mercy. That's the God we serve. Side note. We didn't need mercy until we made a mess, okay? We, God was always gracious and kind to us, but when man sinned, then we needed mercy. We needed him to withhold judgment. From, I mean, it's a, so the last real attribute that came on the scene with God is his mercy. Okay, so God gives mercy and grace to those of us that are a mess, and he knows we're still gonna make messes, that we're human, that we're in this struggle, I, I tweeted it out one time and I put, Christians aren't perfect. They're just perfecting and they're allowing grace to change them into the image of God. Like we're not perfect, we're just perfecting. And we, we try to do 
live like God, but we slip sometimes. And hopefully your progress is like this, not like this. I hope you're making some progress and it's going like this and you're becoming more like Jesus. But he knows we're a mess. He gives mercy and grace to the mess. And he knows we still make messes. And here's the key. As I looked at David in Psalm 51, as I look at David in the Old Testament, the key with David was when he made the mess, when he was convicted of the mess, instead of saying, I'm the king, nobody makes mention of this anymore. Kill the prophet, put the mask up, everybody act like nothing happened here. Instead of making excuses and putting up a mask and trying to pretend the sin didn't happen, he says, it happened, I did it, I admit it, I'm a mess, I need grace and I need mercy. Okay, so this is the type of church when you mess up, don't put up a mask, don't make excuses. God does not want excuses, he wants confession. Well, you know, I'm not my fault in that. And you know, don't do that. God does not want the excuses. He wants the confession. And so he admits it. He doesn't make excuses. And all of a sudden, God gives him mercy and grace. And I want to let you know here, if you start playing the game of excuses, and it's not my fault, and it's just the way it is, and it's not as bad as it is, and I'll just put a pretend up here, and you know, you're in trouble because then you start to make light of God's mercy and grace, and God doesn't want you to make light of his mercy and grace. And even if we were perfect, he, he wouldn't love us anymore, and we can never be perfect. He's like, I love you, I'm giving you mercy and grace, come on, admit it when you blow it, and let's move forward. Luke 18. Luke 18, 9 through 14. I just couldn't shake this of what type of church I want us to be and the church I see right here at River Valley. Psalm 51, you got the brief little thing there. Luke 18, 9 through 14, it says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Can I stop there for a moment? Please, 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 let's not be a church that is full of our own righteousness and thinks like we're so great that we can look down on other people like we're so great. You're not great, okay? You are a mess, you needed grace, you mess up, you still need grace, okay? But Jesus had this group. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So I want to point this out. Two people, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee would have been a regular in church. He would have been a regular in worship. They didn't have church then. It was a, going to the temple to worship. He would have been a regular. He would have stood out from the people. He would have stood out. He would have wore the right clothes, done the right things, had the right behavior. He would have most likely been wearing a black box on his forehead that had the commands of God. Matter of fact, if you go to Israel even now, You'll see people walking around with the black boxes with the word of God there. So this guy was super, super religious. He would have brought gifts to the temple and done all the right things. Most likely he was a teacher and most likely he had personally written the word of God. He had been a scribe, most likely. And he's like, God, I thank you. How many know that when he goes to pray, he's not really praying? He's like, God, I thank you that I'm here. <laughs> Aren't you happy? 
I thank you that I'm not like these other people. Aren't you glad about that, Lord? Yeah, that's great. I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I'm glad that I do all the right things. And I'm just telling you, when you read this, when you see Jesus telling this story, saying like, this guy was a phony and God was sick of this guy's phony religion. Total mask, total mask. The other guy comes in and this guy's a tax collector. He would seldom, if ever, go to the temple to worship. Seldom, if ever. And it's interesting, the reason that Jesus puts money in there if a tax collector ever went to the temple with an offering, the priest would like, be like, get that out of here. It's dirty money. You're a tax collector. We don't even want your offering. Isn't that interesting? So this guy's hardly ever there, doesn't even bring an offering with him there, but he's like, God, it's me. And he can't even look up. The text tells us that he, he won't look up. He recognizes, I am a mess. And God's like leaning in to the guy that admits he's a mess. Simple little prayer, just a, a little over half, I think it's seven words. God, have mercy on me. I mean, he's like simple little prayer and God's leaning into this guy. God's leaning in. The Bible tells us that he beats his breast. Why? Because he's saying, it's me, God. It's me. I did it. I admit it. I'm a bad guy. I did it. He wasn't like, oh, how do I do this? He was like, me, I do it. I don't want to do this. I want help. And he's being honest and transparent before God. And Jesus says, that guy is justified in the sight of God. That guy is doing it right. That guy, everybody's looking down on him, but he's saying, come on, God, I need your help. And I want to be more like you. And I want to let this down. I, I need you. And I want to tell you what, I want our church to be that type of church that you would feel that it, you could be transparent, you could be vulnerable, you could be open, you could come forward at the prayer team time, you could take advantage of that, and we'd see a greater openness of people saying, well, this is what I struggle with, I need help. Not sitting there playing the, well, look at me, I'm so great. Can I tell you this? Our church will love you in the struggle. Our church will love you in your pain. We, we want to say, start your comeback today. Start your recovery today. Start your confession today. Realize this is a safe place. We value authenticity. We value confession before God. We value people that just say, hey, I'm coming in and I need grace. May our church never ever be, ever be like the religious man, judging people. But instead, may we love people, may we welcome them in, and may we always be transparent and authentic. I believe if we're authentic before God, we're gonna see revival take place. I really do. I believe if we're authentic, if we really are honest, if we really will pray for one another, confess our faults, if we'll really be honest and let grace change us and learn from other people and let the body be the body, it's gonna be a beautiful thing. And I wanna pray that for all of our campuses right now, that we could be authentic and God could set the next person free. There's another Sam out there that needs to be set free in Jesus' name. So Lord, I pray for the next one that needs to be set free. I pray that they wouldn't have to live in phoniness. They would not have to live hiding it, recovering it. But instead, Lord Jesus, they'd say, it's my day to be set free. It's my day to be honest. It's my day to be transparent. They might even be trembling right now, but today grace and mercy can be given. This is a church that will value authenticity, that will give uh, grace and mercy, and will say the next one can be set free in Jesus' name. Next one can be set free in Jesus' name. Help us to live this out, Lord Jesus. Here we are. We need grace. We need mercy. Let us drop our masks and receive the grace and mercy that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.